Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. You can view the live stream on Facebook at Mother Miriam Live. Now, here's Mother Miriam. Good morning, beloved family. How are you doing? I am so happy to be with you. We are two days from Christmas Eve and three days from Christmas. Everything is going so fast these days, and the world is in such a mess, and uh, you're dealing with so much. But I, I truly, truly pray that you can just tuck your families away and shut the world out and have a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful Christmas season. I truly, truly pray that. Um, I mentioned um, yesterday that this is a pre-record. It's a brand new program, not an encore, but I've pre-recorded yesterday's program today and tomorrow uh, because we have a new home. Uh, After four years, we have a beautiful bishop a beautiful diocese, and we are moving there this week. And so today, as I speak with you, our trucks are on the road. And um, I, I just couldn't be happier and more grateful to God, not simply because we have a home, because of the home we have. We are moving to Beloit, Kansas, B-E-L-O-I-T. What is Beloit? Can anything good come from Beloit? Yes, the same way anything good could come from Nazareth. It's a really small city in the Diocese of Salina, Kansas. And the bishop who has invited us is Bishop um, Gerald Vinke, V-I-N-C-K-E, a beautiful, I hope he's not listening, a beautiful, humble, holy, um, courageous and orthodox, wonderful priest, uh, bishop. Um, I'm just, I couldn't be happier. And so uh, I I don't want to bombard him, but I invite the whole world to write and thank him for receiving us. Uh, You're welcome to do that. Um, But I am thrilled. And so we pre-recorded three programs this week, yesterday, today, and tomorrow, and then Thursday and Friday, Christmas Eve and Christmas Day, the entire day and night. Um, is going to be EWTN programming through the Station of the Cross, um, music and <clears throat> programs and everything for Christmas. It's going to be a very, very beautiful week. <clears throat> what I'd love to do to you today, to you, I'm going to do it to you, uh, with you, is read to you one of my favorite stories in all of life. Um, it's called A Baby's Hug. And um, some of you may have... Let's see now. Yep. Uh, May have heard this before. I've had it in our newsletter a few years back. I read it a couple of years back. But it's just so beautiful. And it's uh, just at Christmas time. And this is written as a true story. It's written by a mother. And uh, she uh, writes anonymously. But this is true and straight from her heart. This is a, a real account and it's titled A Baby's Hug. And she says, we were the only family with children in the restaurant. I sat Eric in a high chair and noticed everyone was quietly sitting and talking. Suddenly, Eric squealed with glee and said, hi. 
He pounded his fat baby hands on the high chair tray. His eyes were crinkled in laughter, and his mouth was barred in a toothless grin as he wriggled and giggled with merriment. I looked around, and I saw the source of his merriment. It was a man whose pants were baggy, with a zipper at half-mast, and his toes poked out of would-be shoes. His shirt was dirty, and his hair was uncombed and unwashed. His whiskers were too short to be called a beard, and his nose was so varicose it looked like a road map. We were too far from him to smell, but I was sure he smelled. His hands waved and flapped on loose wrists. "'Hi there, baby. Hi there, big boy. I see you, Buster,' the man said to Eric. My husband and I exchanged looks as if to say, "'What do we do?' Eric continued to laugh and answer, "'Hi!' Everyone in the restaurant noticed and looked at us and then at the man. The old geezer was creating a nuisance with my beautiful baby.' Our meal came, and the man began shouting from across the room, Do you patty cake? Do you know Peekaboo? Hey, look, he knows Peekaboo. Nobody thought the old man was cute. He was obviously drunk. My husband and I were embarrassed. We ate in silence, all except for Eric, who was running through his repertoire for the admiring Skid Row bum, who in turn reciprocated with his cute comments, We finally got through the meal and headed for the door. My husband went to pay the check and told me to meet him in the parking lot. The old man sat poised between me and the door. Lord, I said to myself, Lord, just let me out of here before he speaks to me or Eric, I prayed. As I drew closer to the man, I turned my back trying to sidestep him and avoid any air he might be breathing. As I did, Eric leaped over my arm, reaching with both arms in a baby's pick-me-up position. Before I could stop him, Eric had propelled himself from my arms to the man's. Suddenly, a very old, smelly man and a very young baby consummated their love and kinship. Eric, in an act of total trust, love, and submission, laid his tiny head upon the man's ragged shoulder. The man's eyes closed, and I saw tears hover beneath his lashes. His aged hands, full of grime, pain, and hard labor, cradled my baby's bottom and stroked his back. No two beings have ever loved so deeply for so short a time. I stood awestruck. The old man rocked and cradled Eric in his arms, and his eyes opened and set squarely on mine. He said in a firm, commanding voice, You take care of this baby. Somehow I managed, I will, from a throat that contained a stone. He pried Eric from his chest, lovingly and longingly, as though he were in pain. I received my baby, and the man said, God bless you, ma'am. You've given me a great gift. You've given me my Christmas gift. I said nothing more than a muttered thanks. With Eric in my arms, I ran for the car. 
My husband was wondering why I was crying and holding Eric so tightly and why I was saying, my God, my God, forgive me. I had just witnessed Christ's love shown through the innocence of a tiny child who saw no sin, who made no judgment, a child who saw a soul and a mother who saw a suit of clothes. I was a Christian who was blind, holding a child who was not. I felt it was God asking, are you willing to share your son for a moment when he shared his for all eternity? The ragged old man unwittingly had reminded me to enter the kingdom of God, we must become as little children. This is probably the 10th time I've read that story, dear ones, and I'm still a goosebump. I still get chills. I sobbed the first four or five times. Uh, It's one of the most beautiful stories um, that I've ever read. And we need to be like that little baby. We need to not judge people. We need to not uh, reach out to them by their language, their custom, their, their smell, their clothing, their nationality, their education, uh, their party, no matter what it is. We need to see a soul like that little baby. And we need to be able, we need to be ready to leap into the arms of uh, anyone um, uh, just as we would with Christ. Now, we can't leap into the arms of anyone. Uh, We need to be a little cautious but we need to love the world as God loved him, uh, as God loved us and gave his son for us while we were yet in our sin. We didn't clean up our lives. We didn't take a shower. We didn't put on a new suit of clothes. We didn't get a job. We didn't get our act together. He died for us while we were yet in our sin. And when we, 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 for whose sins he died, nailed him to the cross, he said to his father in heaven, forgive them. They don't know what they do. They don't know what they do. What do you mean they don't know what they Yes, we knew. We saw them put nails in him. We saw them nail. What do you mean nail him to the cross? What do you mean they don't know what they do? Because the Apostle Paul said, if we knew who it was, we would not have crucified the Son of Glory. We would not have crucified him if we weren't blind. And that's why Jesus could say, they know not what they do, because sin is blind. Sin is blind. Yes, it causes death, death, and the fruit of sin is death. The wages of sin are death, but it's because we are blind, and sin makes us blind. So, beloved, between now and um, two days from now, Christmas Eve, whether you have committed a venial sin, whether you have been away from God for 50 years, whether you've left the Catholic Church, no matter what you've done, God is waiting for you in that confessional of every Catholic church. He is waiting to speak with you through the priest, but it is God who is there waiting for you. It is God who absolves sins through the priest. Why? Because he wants to do it that way. God has done everything through his people and priests from the Old Testament on. Um, He's waiting for you, beloved. Don't let anything stop you from heaven. Don't let anything stop you from coming home this Christmas. There's our music for our break, beloved, and we're uh, actually going to go to your emails right after this break. We'll be right back 
um, email in at mother at the station of the cross.com. You won't be able to call in today because it's pre recorded. We'll be right back. Love learning more about the church, but confused or disheartened by the struggles we are facing today? Follow LifeSite News Catholic on Facebook, Twitter, or sign up for LifeSite Catholic emails and stay up to date on the constant stream of news about the Catholic Church. Our church is in a time of crisis, and we as laity have a responsibility and a duty to educate ourselves and stay true to the faith. LifeSite News Catholic is dedicated to keeping the laity informed and educated. To follow us, go to Facebook or Twitter and search LifeSite News Catholic. As Mother Miriam always says, we must live as if it were true. This is Rick Paolini and Father Jacek Mazur. Join us every Sunday morning. We'll be delving into the diary of St. Maria Faustina and discussing the topics important in your life. Whether you're wrestling with willpower or praying for patience, God uses the diary to speak to your struggles. So tune in for Divine Mercy in My Soul every Sunday morning at 11. And catch the Encore presentation every Tuesday evening at 8. Jesu ufam tobie. Jesus, I trust in you. Hi, this is Terry Barber from The Terry and Jesse Show. We bring you the gospel with clarity and charity. If you have any questions about the faith or what is happening in the church, be sure to tune in at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 Pacific. You can call us during the show, 888-526-2151. The Terry and Jesse Show, weekdays, 2 p.m. Eastern, on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network and heard around the world on the iCatholic Radio app. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. You can view the live stream on Facebook at Mother Miriam Live. Welcome back, dear family, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. And we're going to begin to jump in a little early today and take all the emails you've sent in. <clears throat> Excuse me. And we mentioned that this is a pre-record for today. And so it's a new program, but uh, we won't be able to take your phone calls, but we will take your emails. Mother at the station of the cross dot com. We have an email from Susanna who writes, Dear Mother, <clears throat> my being uncomfortable with Pope Francis for a number of years has now come to a peak. Although I do not even consider the current gay union issue even the worst of his choices, it's just the one I am mocked most about because people are not aware of the others. Mocked because they do not see a problem with a gay lifestyle and could not understand my constant protection of my children accepting these modern times. I cried listening to you speak of the other type of martyrdom and what... um, Excuse me. What Susanna is referring to is a martyrdom of love that I mentioned. Now, during Mass, when the priest says, and for our Holy Father's intentions, we pray to the Lord and we respond, Lord, hear our prayer. 
She says, I am scared to pray for his intentions because I don't know if they are pleasing to God. I also don't know if it is a sin whether to support him or a sin not to support him. I wish I could talk to him personally to show him what parents are up against with the LGBTQ agenda in every single moment of our kids' lives. The sexualization of the most innocent is everywhere. Even cartoons and books geared for pre-K, it's pushed there. I promise you I am not exaggerating. Susanna, I know you're not exaggerating. You're describing the situation just as it is. I know that. And now Catholics who have no hate or any malice toward people with same-sex attraction are labeled as evil and having a phobia. I wish I could expand on this, but this email would be too long. I have so much to say, and I have to be a hawk over every nanosecond of my children's experiences. What do I do when I'm asked to pray for our Holy Father's intentions? I know this sounds silly. No, it doesn't to me. But I feel like we have been left out to the wolves, and I desperately need the advice of an authentic religious that I trust. And she signs it, thank you, love you, praying for you, Susie. Susie, uh, my heart uh, breaks with yours and reading your email. that You've described everything right, you're right on with every single thing we do need to protect our children with every nanosecond. You're absolutely right. You feel like we're thrown out to the wolves, and uh, I think you're right. You're absolutely right. There are good bishops, good and holy, orthodox, strong, courageous bishops, and priests as well, but they are few, and even others that are good have remained silent, so we don't have their protection. It's uh, really um, an awful situation. But dear one, our Lord will never, ever, ever, ever abandon us. Back in Israel, Ezekiel chapter 34, um, uh, God spoke to Israel's false shepherds. And he says, the word of the Lord came to me. This is through Ezekiel. Son of man, prophesy. Son of man, he's speaking to Ezekiel. Prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, even to the shepherds, thus says the Lord God, Ho, shepherds of Israel, who have been feeding yourselves, should not shepherds feed the sheep? You eat the fat. You clothe yourselves with wool. You slaughter the fatlings, but you do not feed the sheep. The weak you have not strengthened, the sick you have not healed, the crippled you have not bound up, the strayed you have not brought back, the lost you have not sought, and with force and harshness you have ruled them. And I could interject here that uh, what is happening now in the COVID situation, uh, I would say more from our bishops than the government is is too awful to uh, uh, it's just we talk about it but it's it's twilight zone talking about it it's absolutely so awful and so against the faith and so against the teachings of the catholic church um <clears throat> i'll continue with god's word to and through ezekiel 
So they, the sheep, were scattered because there was no shepherd, and they became food for all the wild beasts. It's just what you're saying, Susie. My sheep were scattered, God says. They wandered all over the mountains, and on every high hill, my sheep were scattered over all the face of the earth with none to search or seek for them. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. As I live, says the Lord God, because my sheep have become a prey, and my sheep have become food for all the wild beasts, since there was no shepherd, and because my shepherds have not searched for my sheep, but the shepherds have fed themselves and not fed my sheep. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God. And I read this straight from God knowing that he is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. But the shepherds of today have much more than the shepherds of Israel, much more. They have the indwelling Holy Spirit. Um, They have the truth of God-made man. They have all the prophecies revealed in the gospel, much, much more. And this is the sentence to the shepherds of Israel. It will be much, much more and much sterner much more severe for the shepherds of the new Israel, the church. Thus says the Lord God, behold, I am against the shepherds and I will require my sheep at their hand and put a stop to their feeding the sheep. No longer shall the shepherds feed themselves. I will rescue my sheep from their mouths that they may not be food for them. For thus says the Lord God, behold, I myself will search for my sheep and will seek them out as a shepherd seeks out his flock when some of his sheep have been scattered abroad so will i seek out my sheep and i will rescue them from all places where they have been scattered on a day of clouds and thick darkness and i will bring them out from the peoples and gather them from the countries and will bring them into their own land and i will feed them on the mountains of israel by the fountains and in all the inhabited places of the country i will feed them my sheep with good pasture and upon the mountain heights of israel shall their path <clears throat> shall be their pasture <clears throat> where they shall lie down in good grazing land, and on fat pasture they shall feed on the mountains of Israel. I myself will be the shepherd of my sheep, and I will make them lie down, says the Lord God. I will seek the lost, and I will bring back the strayed, and I will bind up the crippled, and I will strengthen the weak, and the fat and the strong I will watch over. I will feed them, Injustice. He goes on there, and I, I might read a little more. But beloved, God said through all through all of history, God is uh, has a remnant. Through all of history, He has a remnant. He has saved Israel only by two men, Joshua and Caleb. None of the uh, all the generation. Uh, that was uh, of Moses, died in the wilderness for their unbelief and disobedience. <clears throat> Only Joshua and, and um, um, Mo- uh, no, what's wrong with me? Why Joshua and Caleb, sorry, went into the, to the new land, to the promised land. And um, Israel kept turning from God. They became a huge nation, as many as God promised Abraham, the stars of the sea, but they kept turning from him. And it was a remnant that was present when the Son of Man came to earth, 
when the Messiah came through his people Israel for the whole world. There was yet a remnant. Israel did not reject God because uh, the church was founded on Israel, though a remnant. <clears throat> God has always kept a remnant for himself. And it was not even the 12, but the 11. <clears throat> At the Last Supper, the last Passover of the Old Covenant, and the first Passover, the first Mass of the New Covenant, and through them, God has built his church um, and is yet building his church, and he will. And just like Israel, the uh, bishops are the successors of the apostles, um, as the Pope is the successor of Peter. And there were many successors um, uh, of the apostles who have been unfaithful. But the reason the church stands is because God has said he will build his church and he will lead it into all truth, into all time. Uh, the gates of hell will not prevail. And that's what we have today. There are many bishops, yes, successors of the apostles who are false, who are um, wolves in sheep's clothing or have lost their faith or never had their faith. There's no way for me to judge anything, but we know they're not faithful and they know, we know that they have uh, led the the sheep astray. I cannot tell you how many calls and emails we get from sheep that are in such pain from the faithful in such pain because they cannot receive the Eucharist. One of them came to me recently the priest will only give the Eucharist uh, in the hand, and then they have to. People need to take the Eucharist, walk to a secluded area of the church, pull down their mask, uh, take the Eucharist by their own hand, pull up their mask again. Others take the Eucharist in plastic bags on their way out of the church, and they have to go to their car, take their mask off, and receive the Eucharist. This is blasphemy. This is sacrilege. No bishop and no priest. Has any, I'm not saying this, I'm not any authority, but I do take the authority and the word of faithful shepherds, Cardinal Seurat, Cardinal Burke, Bishop Athanasius Snyder, and others. No bishop, no priest has the right to refuse communion on the tongue. No one has a right to, conf- to refuse communion on the tongue. And we must take down, if we're wearing a mask, we must take down the mask to receive communion on the tongue. Um, no one but the sacred hands of a priest should be serving communion. No one but the consecrated sacred hands of a priest should be serving communion. And the norm for the church, not the exception, the norm is on the tongue. The exception is in the hand. Um, But it is very dangerous, very sacrilegious, because there's particles all over. People are afraid when they normally don't go to a Novus Ordo church that they're going to go and walk on Jesus, and they're going to, because there's particles all over the floor because the server's uh, patent is not used. And even so, if they walk a few feet to consume the host in their hand, there's particles all over the place. It's, uh, it's an utter, utter irreverent sacrilege. Um, <clears throat> and so, um, oh, there's our break, dear ones. I'm going to continue with Susie and this passage from Ezekiel when we come back, and then we'll take the rest of your emails. Mother, the email address is mother at thestationofthecross.com. God bless you. Don't go away. We'll be right back. 
The future of the family is grim. As Our Lady of Fatima said, the final battle will be for the family. It truly seems as though we're in the heat of this final battle and we need your help. Our mission at LifeSite News is to educate and activate readers with the information they need to defend life and the family and restore Christian culture. We are currently the most popular pro-life website on the internet with over 40 million unique users every year. And we've been experiencing an even bigger reach than ever this year. But we need your help to reach more of the 7.7 billion people on earth if we are to truly succeed in changing the culture. Please consider donating to help our mission of promoting the culture of life and fearless defenders of the faith like Mother Miriam. Visit give.lifesite.news.com to give today. Thank you for your support. Join us here on the Station of the Cross for the Liturgy of the Hours at 5 a.m., 3 p.m., and 9.30 p.m. Eastern with the Office of Readings read at 3 o'clock. In the Gospel of St. Matthew, chapter 18, verse 20, Jesus tells us, Where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. The Liturgy of the Hours is also known as the Divine Office and is the daily prayer of the Church. So you know you'll be uniting your prayer with priests, religious, and laity throughout the world. It's comprised of small reflections, readings from sacred scripture, and writings from saints and theologians. To learn more about the Liturgy of the Hours, visit thestationofthecross.com. That's thestationofthecross.com. Pray with us each day at 5 a.m., 3 p.m., and 9.30 p.m. Eastern, right here on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. You can view the live stream on Facebook at Mother Miriam Live. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. We have a whole half hour to ourselves. I love this time. Um where I could answer your calls and emails only today. This is a pre-recorded program for you um, and um, two days before Christmas Eve. And so you won't be able to call in, but you can email at mother at the station of the cross.com. We are, um, we've read an email from Susie who is quite distraught because she feels as if we have been left thrown to the wolves and, um, um, the things that Pope Francis has come out with are are confusing. Uh, several, like civil unions, are against the faith, and um, it's a very, very difficult time. Um, and so where normally we would <clears throat> talk to people about the Catholic faith, um, and one of the reasons people come into the Catholic faith is because it's the only one, only church that, uh, well, it is the church that Christ established, but people don't always know that, but it's the only one that has never changed their moral teachings on abortion, on contraception, on euthanasia, on same-sex unions, and all that's the only one that has never changed the teaching to this day. And we tell people that, and they come against us because they think we're stuck in the mud and, you know, all of that. <clears throat> but now when the Holy Father is saying that, same-sex unions are okay. Um, it, it's, it is against the faith, but um, 
it makes it very difficult for Catholics because non-Catholics who have no problem with same-sex unions uh, will say, you know, what's your problem? Even the Pope, are you more Catholic than the Pope? Even the Pope says they're okay. So it makes it very difficult for the truth to be affirmed and confirmed. And we need to be strong. So Susie said she doesn't know what to do. Um, She feels like you know, we've been thrown to the wolves. Uh, she needs to all the the sexualization of our culture, <clears throat> even in preschool, books, films, everything. She feels she needs every to watch over her children every nanosecond. And I say, Susie, you've got that right. You need to watch over your children every nanosecond, especially if you send them out to any school. Uh, if you send them out to a public school, you will ruin them. Um, and if you send them out to a Catholic school, um, <clears throat> uh, you're going to have to be very, very uh, uh, careful and know every single thing they teach. Every single, no book should be read, no study should be given, no class should be taught that you don't know about in advance. You are the primary um, uh, teachers of your children, parents are. And that's the teaching of the church. And if a school does not want to show you books in advance or curriculum in advance, you don't send your child there. Then you say, well, what do I do? You homeschool your child, but I can't. I have to work. You need to find a way. You need to find a way to to, uh, give your child, uh, have them join a little homeschool co-op where you could go to work, especially if you're, uh, someone's a single parent, go to work and your child could be yet in a homeschool group. Um, or you need to find a way to have tutoring or uh, take your child to work or teach her in the evening, whatever it is, uh, at any cost, you do need to keep your children from the wolves and from false teaching and from the curriculum of this day, which is run by Satan. And I've been reading from Ezekiel, uh, chapter 34, where in the Old Testament, the priests went astray, they could care less for the sheep, they abused the sheep, or they just let them go into the fields and didn't find them, didn't care for them, didn't feed them, they were on their own, and um, the sheep were um, just spread all over the place without a shepherd, and God uh, rebukes them, and Ezekiel 34 <clears throat> is a whole chapter of God's rebuke to his priests of the Old Testament. And again, he would not say less to the bishops and priests of the New Testament, of the New um, Covenant, who uh, have much more than any priests of the Old Covenant had. God says, as for you, my flock, thus says the Lord God, behold, I judge between sheep um, and sheep, rams and he goats. Is it not enough for you to feed the good pasture, to feed now to the sheep. Is it not enough for you to feed on the good pasture that you must tread down with your feet to the rest of your pasture and to drink of clear water that you must foul the rest with your feet? And must my sheep eat what you have trodden with your feet and drink what you have fouled with your feet? Therefore, thus says the Lord God to them, behold, I myself will judge between the fat sheep and the lean sheep, because you push with side and shoulder and thrust all the weak with your horns till you have scattered them abroad. 
I will save my flock. They shall no longer be a prey, and I will judge between sheep and sheep, and I will set over them one shepherd, my servant David, and he shall feed them, and he shall feed them and be their shepherd, and I, the Lord, will be their God, and my servant David shall be prince among them. I, the Lord, have spoken. And God goes on in Ezekiel 34 to talk about his new covenant. I will make with them a covenant of peace and banish wild beasts from the land so that they may dwell securely in the wilderness and sleep in the woods and so forth. God goes on. He will make a new covenant and it will be the son of David who will come forth from Israel. These are my words now and shepherd his sheep, be the true shepherd. And again, God has appointed shepherds under him, just as in the Old Testament. But unfortunately, many of them, like Israel, have become false shepherds, and they have betrayed God. They have betrayed the sheep. They have betrayed the flock. They have abused the flock and left the sheep to wander on their own. So Susie, nothing's new under the sun. This is the state we're in. We need to accept it. We can complain about it. We can moan. We can cry, uh, but that's not going to help anybody. We are God's sheep. God will pasture us. It is God who saves. It is God who will keep us. And whatever the shepherds are, the mass is yet the mass, and the confessional is yet Christ. The priest who led me into the church said the priest does his most important work when he's not himself. When the priest at the altar says this is picks up mere bread, mere little wafer of bread and water, when he says over that bread and water, this is my body, it is not the priest saying that. It is Christ saying those words through the priest, using the priest as his instrument. And as he said at the Last Supper, Jesus picked up bread, broke it and said, this is my body and bread obeyed. That's why it became the last Passover supper and the first mass with the only sacrifice, the true Passover lamb that God will accept. He said, this is my body and bread obeyed. This cup of the new covenant is my blood and wine obeyed and became his blood. Just as he said at creation, let there be light And there was. God creates by his word. And so you don't have to worry about the state of a priest at mass um, as long as he um, intends and says the words truly of the mass. And the same thing with the true absolution in the confessional. It is God. Um, The priest could be in mortal sin, but if he says, I absolve you, and says the correct words of absolution, it is God saying those words to the priest. You do not have to worry. It is effective. We do not have to judge or worry about the state of a priest. God takes care of that. And he, he forgives us and he feeds us regardless of the state of the priest, even though he's using the priest as his instrument. So, Susie, cling to the faith. We have the faith. We have the catechism. We have all the books of the church. We have the writings of the church fathers. We know the faith. We need to teach our children and don't be afraid of keeping them from um, uh, company that is uh, bad for their souls. They need to be raised in a holy house. If you want to listen to one magnificent te- uh, testimony, <clears throat> Bishop Athanasius Snyder, who has written um, uh, 
Christus Vincit, I think it's, if I'm saying it correctly, um, Christ the Victor. He is, it's a story of his childhood in a communist country, uh, sometimes not seeing a priest for a year. I, I don't want to exaggerate. I forget the details. Not having the Eucharist, all of that. And he's become a bishop of the church because every Sunday the family gathered and they were taught the faith. Um, not in dungarees, not in jeans, but they dressed up. It was the Lord's Day, and they came together, and they taught the faith, and they prayed, and they worshiped, and they ate together, uh, and they praised God together. And he grew up that way, and so he's now a magnificent holy bishop. That's what we need to do. Um, I'll tell you just a tiny bit of that. When I was a child in Brooklyn, um, uh People talked against Jews. There were a lot of Jews in Brooklyn, and I grew up in a Jewish home. My brother was stabbed. Uh, He wasn't killed, but he was stabbed. The police brought him home because he was called a Christ killer. Um, And um, we were were, uh, all kinds of stories we had to keep to ourselves. And uh, we could play, but we could be with others. We went to public school, a lot of Jewish people in public school then. It wasn't like today. Uh, the holy days, the high holy days for Jewish people, the schools were closed because the population was so high um, uh, in Jewish worship. But we kept separate. We were in the world and not of it. And uh, we, we were okay with that. We didn't feel deprived um, because we knew we were God's people, and it wasn't a religion. It was our identity. It's who we were. And we knew that everything we did and failed to do would reflect not only on our parents, not only on the Jewish people, but on the God that we claim to worship, the only God that is, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So we need now as Catholics to learn that we're God's people, and um, to have persecution from the world we can deal with that, but to have persecution from the church, which we are receiving now, um, is um, is just utterly, utterly heart-wrenching. That the world could keep the faith from us, but the church to keep the faith from us is not what we ever expected. But God warned us about that too, about false shepherds, about apostasy, about hearts that would grow greedy and cold, and leading the sheep astray, even the elect, if possible. So we're warned about that in Scripture, Susie, and it's upon us, dear one. So just teach your children, let them know the joy of the faith, the joy of their salvation, get good films, um, good books, teach them, and uh, let them know that they are set apart for God. They are God's people, and no one will ever destroy that. We have an email from Patricia. Um, Patricia writes, good morning, and God bless you. Thank you for all that you do. Oh, one more word to Susie. Susie, when you pray for the Pope's intentions, don't worry about that, because we're praying for God to answer his intentions according to God's will. And that's a good thing. Whatever the Pope may wish, whatever's on his agenda, if we ask God to answer those prayers and intentions according to God's will, we're in good shape. All right. Um, Patricia says, good morning and God bless you. Thank you for all that you do. I have prayed and thought about the situation I am currently in, and I believe I need to be in a church somewhere else 
but feel that I am doing wrong because I will be walking away from what the Lord has called me to do. I have been playing the piano in a church and doing it because I am called to do it and do not ask for money. I had been playing the piano in a church for about two months. That week, the churches were closed, and I was notified that they were giving the job to someone else. I waited and prayed about this. And I'll, I'll tell you what happens, dear ones, when we come back from the break. Again, we're pre-recorded today. You won't be able to call in, um, but um, you can email at mother at com. We'll be right back, dear ones. LifeSite News is an international news agency devoted to defending life and family and restoring Christian culture. We aim to educate and activate our readers with the information they need to fight the most crucial battles of our day in their churches, workplaces, and families. Our motto is Caritas in Veritate, love in truth. We firmly believe that promoting the truth is an act of love, however hard it is to hear. Over the last 20 years, we have built a reputation for uncompromising reporting, no matter the cost. LifeSite News is by far the most popular pro-life website on the internet, with over 40 million unique users every year and growing. Check us out at LifeSiteNews.com. My name is Jesse Romero. I'm a retired Los Angeles cop. I'm a Catholic lay evangelist. You probably hear me Monday through Friday at the Terry and Jesse show. My new show on spiritual warfare is called Jesus 911. Every Saturday at noon. That's a soul patrol Catholic program where three cops on fire with our Catholic faith. You can hear this program around the world on the iCatholic radio app. Jesus 911. Saturdays at noon here on the Station of the Cross Radio Catholic Network. God bless you. Keep the faith. The Catholic Current on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network. These groups are getting all of this money and doing things, I think, that are endangering our sovereignty and endangering our safety. Uh, what is it about the culture that, that needs to be fixed or purified? Well, I mean, it's pretty much everything, you know, when we come down to it. Tune in weekdays at 5 p.m. Eastern on the Station of the Cross and iCatholic Radio for The Catholic Current, bringing Christ to the world and the world to Christ. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. You can view the live stream on Facebook at Mother Miriam Live. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. This is our last segment today, and I'm thrilled to be with you. And again, you won't be able to call in today because this is a pre-recorded program, but you can email at mother at thestationofthecross.com. And we're going to go to an email from Patricia who writes, Good morning, and God bless you. Thank you for all that you do. 
I have prayed and thought about the situation I'm currently in, and I believe I need to be in a church somewhere else, but I feel that I am doing wrong because I will be walking away from what the Lord has called me to do. I have been playing the piano in church and doing it because I'm called to do it and do not ask for money. I had been playing the piano in a church for about two months. That week, the churches were closed, and I was notified that they were giving the job to someone else. I waited and prayed about this. A few weeks later, I found out that a member of our family by marriage had just opened a church and needed someone to play. Well, this is quite clearly a Protestant church, not a Catholic church. I believed because Catholic people don't open Catholic churches uh, like so. And so um, I believe that this opportunity came to me and I should do it. Things seemed to be going well. The pastor had mentioned over and over that he was against wearing a mask. He did say he put um, one on when he went to a lady's house that had just had surgery because she didn't need to get sick. Well, I started on chemotherapy treatment again, and his wife told me it would be okay. Nobody would look down on me for wearing a mask. I went to service with a mask on that evening, with a mask on that evening, and I could tell that the pastor was really upset. Look at this. This is the opposite of what's happening in our churches. We don't want to wear masks, and we're forced to. Here, somebody wants to wear a mask, and they're kind of shamed for wearing it. He did not look my way in church, as he usually does. In the sermon, he said not to follow the world, but trust in the Lord. It was really about the mask issue again, I felt. Another time, I told him that my husband and I wouldn't be at church that evening. The next time we were there, the service was about um, laying out of, staying out of church, being too lazy to come to church, etc. These last few weeks, I have felt uneasy about going to church and not wearing a mask as the church is very small. Another sermon was about not doing the Lord's will, living in fear, and how if you have fear in your heart, then your heart isn't right with the Lord. Oh, this is awful, I, I tell you. Every time I have talked to his wife about how I feel or what I do, this seems to be the sermon topic. Well, you should talk directly to him, not to his wife. I want to go to church to listen to the words out of the Bible, not a sermon, but my decisions and how wrong I am. I, so I want to go to church to listen about words out of the Bible, not a sermon about my decisions and how wrong I am. I love to play. My granddaughter uh, has started singing. This is really a delight for me. This situation has really upset me. I believe he has come. He has anger issues. I want to do the right thing, but I don't want to walk away from an opportunity the Lord has given me to serve him. What are your thoughts on this? Oh, my dear Patricia, um, it's a very sad situation. And I want to tell you, as much as you love God and as much as you love serving him and using the gifts he has given you, I would implore you, dear Patricia, I would beg you, I would urge you as one Christian to another, as one sister to another, to take a look into the Catholic Church. Um I came, you might know, from 18 years of evangelical Protestantism, where in every Protestant church, the pastor was it, and the pulpit was it. No sacraments, no no presence of our Lord Jesus, yes, in his people, but when the people left the church, God was gone. It's not this so in the Catholic Church, Patricia, and I would urge you... Um, 
to look into the Catholic Church, dear one. I would urge you to do that. And I would suggest um, two books for you uh, if, if you would ever be led uh, to do this. Um, one is Rome Sweet Home, written by Scott Hahn. Rome Sweet Home, written by Scott Hahn, H-A-H-N. And the other book is called Fundamentalism and Catholicism. I'll repeat that, Fundamentalism and Catholicism um, by Carl Keating. Um, those two books are outstanding, and they're going to, uh, they understand where you're at in your theology, and many of the issues that you might struggle with um, explain the truths of the Catholic Church, not the misunderstandings. It was Bishop Fulton Sheen who once said, there are not a hundred people who hate the Catholic Church, but there are millions who hate what they mistakenly believe the Catholic Church teaches. So we don't worship Mary, we don't worship statues. Those are all lies spread throughout the years. Uh, um, through one main book called Roman Catholicism by Lorraine Bettner, he wrote it, I don't know how long ago, maybe 1900s or early, early 20th century. I don't know, but not a single support for anything he claims. And a lot of anti-Catholicism has come from that. So uh, in your present situation, dear one, um, if you have the courage enough, I'd go make an appointment with the pastor and say, uh, it appears to me that your sermons have to do with my direct circumstances and things I've discussed with your wife. Um, it's not that I'm against your counsel, and I know that you're sincere, but um, if you really um, cannot uh, handle me in this church, if you're not able to teach in a, um, in a way that uh, does not condemn people's behavior, but simply teach the Word of God, then um, condemn behavior that the word of God is against, yes, um, then I, I know I need to seek another church. You could tell him how hurtful it is to you. Um, he may not realize that it's so clear to you what he's doing, um, but I would talk directly to him and not his wife. Um, the other thing I would do, dear Patricia, yes, go find another Protestant church where you can play the piano or a better church, that teaches the Word of God more faithfully, even if you cannot play the piano. Um, and don't worry about your granddaughter singing. Your, your heart before God comes first right now. Uh, I would say find another Protestant church, confront this pastor, find another Protestant church. But I would say, dear one, don't fail to look into the Catholic Church and get the book Home Sweet Home. Uh, no, Rome, sweet home, Rome, R-O-M-E, Rome, sweet home. It's not Satan's system. It's not a man-made system. You'll find out with the help of the Holy Spirit, it is the church God established. So I, I pray you can do that, um, Patricia. God bless you. Um, and write back anytime if we can help you further. Uh, we have an email from someone who writes in anonymously. <clears throat> and writes, yesterday I opened our mail to find a letter from our bishop here in Pennsylvania saying they are $1 million short from the past spring appeal collection due to the COVID shutdown. He is asking us to give and stating how the money helps so many organizations. To tell you the truth, I am livid. We have heard nothing from this bishop for months. I have only received letters asking for money. 
I am tired of the social justice church. Yes, we must help others, but to keep giving and giving to organizations without preaching the gospel of Jesus to them and tell them they need to repent and come into the church, I feel does them no good. As a matter of fact, our local women's pro-life shelter, supported by our local Catholic churches, was helping a couple who had two babies together, but found an apartment for the couple to live in, and they were not married. I refuse to give them any more. You're right. You're absolutely right. This one woman writes in anonymously. You're 100% right. There's the music for the end of our program today, dearest. So we will start with this email tomorrow because we haven't finished it. Um, God bless you. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and go to confession. There's nothing more important you and your children can do, especially if you have not been to confession in a long time. God bless you, and we'll see you tomorrow.